You are listening to ACPN. Video, this is Russ. Do you have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? <sighs> Hello and welcome to the Emerald City Video Podcast. This is uh, not technically an episode of the new release. Well, this is this is technically a, a, a classic format episode because we're doing one new movie and one old one. The new movie would certainly qualify as a new release wall uh, pick if it were alone. Also is not a movie uh, because, <laughs> as you probably guessed if you read the episode title, we are talking about the, the first and then the most recent incarnations of Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan on film. The first being The Hunt for Red October and the most recent being Jack Ryan, a new Amazon TV series uh, for which I've seen the pilot. Uh, Zach has actually seen all of season one. Yes. So we'll try to uh, discuss the the quality and the merits and the blah, blah, blah of the season without spoiling it too much, especially because even I don't actually have much to say about anything beyond the hour that I've seen. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, Jack Ryan is a, a CIA analyst who uh, often finds himself pulled out from behind the desk and dropped into wacky hijinks. Uh, he was created by Tom Clancy, who is a best-selling spy novelist, uh, and and Jack Ryan, for all intents and purposes, from what I understand, is essentially J Tom Clancy's idealized version of himself. <laughs> uh, Probably yes. Clancy or uh, uh, Ryan starts in in as a pretty generic kind of CIA office guy who occasionally goes out on missions because he's the person who knows the situation the best and that's a thing that happens yeah, yeah and, totally, totally is and then uh, by if you follow the books and i assume that the movies or that the tv series if it goes more than one season will start to follow some of the books at least uh it, it got increasingly ludicrous to the point where there was he he was president at some point in the books yeah yeah oh, in, in, <laughs> oh in yeah the, yeah i think he was yeah because uh isn't there, there isn't like there a japanese place? yeah there was like a japanese plane that dive bombed the capital and killed yeah. basically the entire line of succession and at that time he was like he was the lone survivor like he Ooh. he was the like random cabinet official who'd been chosen to hang back at the white house or something yeah. and chill. Okay. Yeah. No, I remember, I remember, uh, I remember that now because, uh, after nine 11, when everyone was screaming, there's no way anyone could have possibly imagined yeah, yeah. this ever happening. And I'm like, well, wait, there's the con there's at least one comic book I've read that that happened. And then there's the running man. And then there's like, there's a ton of people who's imagined that. Yeah. The, the <laughs> The pilot to to the Lone Gunman TV show yeah. <laughs> was actually them preventing 9/11. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, many years before 9/11 was a thing, because it would have been in terrible taste otherwise. But yeah, it was literally like they got trapped on a plane that was hijacked and being automatically flown at the World Trade Center. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> never actually seen that. I've never actually seen that episode too. Uh, I I believe I have seen it. Uh, <laughs> 
I I do I definitely remember reading about it, but I, I yeah. as far as I know, I've seen every episode of that series. I don't remember almost any of it. But <laughs> but yeah, uh, Jack Ryan's first screen appearance was uh, in Hunt for Red October, which was uh, Alec Baldwin as Jack, and one of those casts that uh, I don't I don't necessarily think of the Hunt for Red October as being like a star-studded cast, but when you actually look at it, you're just like, holy crap! I recognize every person in this movie. Uh, <clears throat> it's about a an experimental Russian sub. It's like an ultra fast silent sub that could theoretically it, it, the idea of it is that it's a first strike weapon. It's created yep. uh, to be the perfect way to approach an enemy shores and launch bombs without anybody knowing you're coming. And so the, uh, the captain of the vessel decides that he doesn't actually want to be party to starting world war three. And so in their first, kind of exercise he dis he and a couple of his officers decide to defect to the united states and jack ryan is essentially the one who has to prove to the u.s that he's trying to defect and not attack yeah uh the uh the jack ryan tv series is updated so that it takes place in 2017 instead of in the 80s and so rather than having the bad guys be the Russians, it's the cold, it's uh, the war on terror. Yeah. And we get, uh, is it Libya that he's in charge of uh, the CIA Bureau for? It's, I don't think it's Libya, but it's, there's. Oh God, uh, I've watched it actually twice now and I actually forgot. Yeah, <laughs> I literally it, was just rewatching it. Um, it's one of those countries. I think the next guy, it, it, I don't think it's Syria, but I think the mainly, Mainly, he's uh, kind of the financial dude. He's yeah, uh, yeah. a doctor of economics uh, in this, uh, which it seems to focus a lot more on as opposed to, like, say, Hunt from Red October. And I've, again, right. I've never read any of the books, so I'm not actually quite sure yeah, who it's he funny, really is. But. It's funny because in Hunt for Red October, that he is called Dr. Ryan throughout, yeah. but they never actually explain what his doctorate is in. I I think that he – I think it's uh, emphasized uh, through most of the other other movies yeah. that he is actually a um, his, like a history expert. Um, I mean, literally just rewatching the opening sequence of um, Hunt for Red October mm -hmm. as like right before we came on. And I actually forgot like just how like a stuffy old, like I think he's, I think he start this film starts that he's in London. He's actually in London yeah. working as a state, you know, a station out there or something. And uh and and like it's just panning over all of his obsessive you know naval history books uh, throughout yeah. the whole time, uh, but it you know but it emphasizes. I, my guess is one whether or not whether or not it actually is with the books or not. Um, I think it's just the the fact that now it makes sense more for him to mm -hmm. be economics because that's literally you know well I mean that's what the opening plot is. I mean he's yeah that's the way he gets his in thing, but. Yeah, he's, he's essentially a forensic economist. Uh, he's he's following the money, finds essentially a the next the, the character. They keep referring to him as the next Bin Laden, basically. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it's this guy who's moving around millions of dollars through Swiss accounts and the like, who we don't really have any line on. And uh, at first, nobody really believes he exists, but that really is a is a trope that only lasts about 20 minutes into the episode. Yeah. Thankfully pretty quickly. Uh, everybody's on the same page and they're just kind of trying to figure out 
what the hell happened because of course uh there's a there's a like a, a weird bit and i'm i'm trying to figure out if the character uh and shoot of course i can't remember that guy's name uh if his supervisor who had been like a oh, greer like, yeah greer I'm trying to figure out if Greer is the same character that James Earl Jones had played in Hunt for Red October. It is. It is. He's the Admiral okay. um, in Hunt for Red October. Yeah. Yeah. That that was actually my first, the the moment that, the moment that they had a name character. There's an opening scene. He's biking there. He, yeah. you know, swerves around his car and then almost runs into another car. I, I think it was a like a, uh, a Camaro going way too fast on the streets in DC hmm. and uh, swerves. And then the guy like pops his head out the window and go like basically yells at him fucking asshole or something. I'm trying yeah, to remember yeah. what, it was, what it was. And then the like squeals away and I'm like, Oh, well, first off we all know since that's a name character, that's uh, hmm. um, the dude from the wire, um, yeah. whichever one, <laughs> shit, <laughs> which literally I think everyone like, I, I, I really like him as an actor, but like, yeah. and then even though I've never actually, I still have yet, Wendell Pierce. Wendell Pierce, yes. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I think, and I can't remember for sure, I believe that he was the guy who works for C-SPAN in Bullworth. Yes, yes, he was, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, he was. He also was um, the the dude in uh, 25th Hour who oh, finds yeah. all the money. <laughs> like, and again, goes, she. <laughs> which i'm actually not quite sure like having never actually seen um ever seen the wire does he say that in in the wire i think he does i so, I, I, I am in the same boat as you I haven't seen it so. <laughs> which is which is weird considering like i think I, I i forget how much how much you enjoy homicide life on the streets as opposed yeah, to me yeah. i think it still stands by it's the best tv show that was ever aired on tv um but uh <laughs> like I, I I should by any factor love that you have watched that series obsessively, but I honestly I was just like no, no homicide is the best, <laughs> no. <laughs> but anyway, sidetrack. But anyway, what I was saying is that like it was, well, it's a black character who clearly is going to be in this show because they wouldn't have just had Wendell Pierce drive. Yeah, yeah. You know, it literally would have been like, well, I mean, by well, that would be awesome. <laughs> like, I would love. If, if I had a series like this, you know, where I had like, you know, I would assume Amazon money, even though yeah. I don't feel like they spent a lot of money on this. Um, no. Like, which is something we can kind of talk about, I think we can get into later, but, um, but it's one of those, but, it, but like the moment they show him, I'm like, oh, that's, they're totally going to keep, because they have to keep, right. Yeah. They have to keep um, James Earl Jones or they have to keep uh, Greer as, as, as black. Like they mm -hmm. just, he's now it's kind of, I'm trying to remember whether in the in the Chris Pine version whether there's a whether there's an Admiral Greer because I don't think I think the only person he deals with is Kevin Costner and I don't yeah. think Kevin Costner is an admiral in that or a like anything other than just like a connection right because that's like it, or super uh the uh, that one which I'm trying to remember what it's called the subtitle uh, but uh, Jack something Ryan recruit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, um, I think that that's like basically Uber origin. That's like basically Uber origin story, as opposed to, as opposed to the TV show, which is excuse me, which is kind of origin story. I mean, all of these films are each one is kind of an origin story. It's not like it's kind of yeah. like Die Hard to Die Hard. You know, it's like oh, they don't show him becoming a cop or anything like that. Like it's not Die Hard Year One. It's uh, like the comic yeah. book, but 
it's uh, it's kind of like, oh, so this is why he becomes who he is. He becomes right. like, this is where he stops. You know, at the end of Hunt, Hunt for Red October, he's sleeping on the airplane, and now he's a cool dude again. Um, yeah. And because I'm not quite sure whether in Hunt for Red October they establish whether he had a hel helicopter crash or what they establish yeah, they that he's a bad back. They do? Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, they That's because at the beginning, there's a scene where uh, one of the one of the officers mm -hmm. says something along the lines of like, I don't know who that guy thinks he is wearing that uniform. Yo, yeah, yeah. And and the other guy's like, well, actually, he was yeah. a he was a decorated marine whose career was ended by a helicopter accident. So yeah. like, uh, he says something along the lines of, I'm not going to tell you how to do your job, but if I'm you, I give him a little bit more. Leeway. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, which I like. Yeah. I remember lo loving that line, but th yeah. that that's like, you know, we were talking about this before. Um, and I'm sorry if I cut you off on where <laughs> I forget what you were saying before. But, um, but we were talking about before about origin stories um, and talking about how important, how not necessarily in within comic books they are getting, it's kind of getting a little old hat. Uh, when you're just like, oh, we have to kill Uncle Ben again. Okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> how many times has that poor dude been murdered? Um, and like most, you know, the that I think that uh, um, uh, Batman versus Superman uh, did it best when they just killed the uh, killed the Waynes in the opening credit sequence, mm -hmm. and was just like, that's literally all you need to know. You don't need to know anything more. Like yeah. almost with anyone. I mean, Superman some of it kind of helps like I, I but you know but so many films that have you know known character names like feel like they have to redo everything and it's like except you think about the fact that literally actually there's a, what is there's only one the only one bond film ever does any sort of origin story for him and it's not even really origin story like they have him becoming an agent um, and killing the people that he has to, you know, like the two people or whatever yeah. in um, Casino Royale. And then that's it. Like they, they imply his family and things like that. Like there's Skyfall, but yeah. Um, but I think that's one of the things that actually makes that series so often solid. Like there's mm -hmm. so few, there's so few miss hits in that other than, you know, just, uh, well, oh God, what was it? The, the one in the snow uh, with Pierce Bronson. Uh, was, just um, was it Die Another Day? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been a while since <laughs> since I watched that one. I, I think that was the one with Terry Hatcher, right? Or was she in Goldeneye? <sighs> I don't remember, honestly. Um, I've tried watching. That's one that I feel bad that I like. I've tried watching, and I remember thinking Goldeneye was like the best thing in the world. I remember I tried watching it recently, like in the last year, and I was like, this just, it's not that good. <laughs> like, it was awesome when it came out it was like yeah. holy shit this changes action films kind of like especially the world of bond or you know super you know like not superhero but like right the the dudes that are like basically superhero basically they're like captain america level superheroes where you're like yeah. oh he fell out of a five-story building somehow he lived <laughs> like like not die not you know john mcclain or anything like that even though john mcclain has now become basically a superhero and can, yeah you know but uh, not not as not as much as uh, Indiana Jones has become in the in the fourth film, where he literally can su survive a nuclear attack. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, actually, before we get too deep into talking about the 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 Jack Ryan stuff, yeah, we should probably mention at least in passing. I feel like uh, having having rewatched Hunt for Red October probably for the first time in ten fifteen years today. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like it's really underrated 
within the canon of uh, John McTiernan yeah. because uh, McTiernan is one of these, these fascinating dudes who essentially ruined his career. Uh, he got wrapped up in the Anthony Pelicano thing, which was this private investigator who uh, was inappropriately wiretapping people all throughout Hollywood. Wow. And that's why he disappeared. Yeah. He, uh, um, McTiernan went to jail for a year and a half because he got caught lying to federal investigators about having wiretapped Charles Roven, who was one of the producers on Rollerball. Shit, I, I, I had a feeling uh, uh, someone should have gone to prison for Rollerball. Yeah, right? But uh, uh, apparently he also had uh, Pelicano wiretap his ex-wife during their divorce proceedings, mm -hmm. although that information is really just speculation and conjecture. It's... Uh, it's never been proven, but his ex-wife has been suing him for the last five years to try and get damages for it. Yeah. Uh, but McTiernan uh, has not done a feature film since 2013. He did do a brief, uh, like, video game promotional short last year. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just like, like I was like, wait, because I know I, I forgot that Basic was his. Which actually, yeah, it's surprising. Basic, like, I, I actually, I think it was on. I caught the back half of it. And it's one of those films that all these characters have played films that are very similar to this, mm -hmm. you know, like they're all playing yeah. characters that they've played before in that film. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, I'm trying to remember specifically Sam Jackson and uh, John Travolta. Travolta. Yeah. And, uh, and I think Harvey was in that one too, right? Who's that? Didn't Josh Harden have a small role in that? Uh, I'm clicking on the link. Uh, Oh yeah, Gianno uh, Rubisi too. Uh, oh, yeah, remember yeah. him? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> From my name is Earl. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, no, but it's, he's one of those guys where I'm like, I don't understand why you want to make Ty Diggs <laughs> again. Oh uh, uh, wow. Giovanni Rubisi actually has a show on Amazon right now. Oh yeah, that's sneaky. That's where he's been. Yeah, I forgot. Um, uh, Amazon thinks that I really, really need to see that show, which I probably yeah. should watch it. <laughs> yeah. Nothing against it. I, 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 I dig Giovanni Rubisi, like, uh, but. It's uh, God, what was he anyway? But um, but it's one of those films you watch halfway through and you're like, which one of these films is this? Yeah, <laughs> like and and I'm like, but uh, it's still a it's still a pretty solid movie, especially um, I mean, it was 2003, but again, it felt it felt more like that. You know, we were always talking about the '90s action yeah, films, like which is probably why it didn't do amazingly. I don't remember it doing well. I saw it no. in theaters, but um, but I like know. probably yeah. I, I know that that movie did not perform that well. Uh, and and between it was this weird confluence of factors because I think by the time Basic came out, the, the Pelicano stuff was already blowing up. I know that McTiernan actually managed to put off his jail sentence for like five years because he was uh, in a constant state of appeal and because he has money, he had or had money, uh, he, he was able to essentially do the thing where it's like, well, you don't have to go to jail until you've been seen by the Supreme court. <laughs> um, uh, rich people. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, he's a, he's not a name that most people would recognize, but when you look at his body of work, he's, he's done something like 12 or 13 movies. Yep. And in those 12 or 13, like, yeah, you have rollerball, which is a mess. You have basic, which nobody remembers, but you also have, a four-year period where he did Predator, Die Hard, and The Hunt for Red October, and you're sitting here going, "Man, that is a hard, yeah, 
three movies in four years to to match in terms of just about anybody having that little level of kind of critical and commercial success and and in the course of both predator and die hard staying power yeah and all solidly different films too yeah um i mean that's that's to me one of the big things that we like dragger and then and then later on um what you know the 10 years later or whatever did thomas crime affair which was oh yeah that's right you know, the, what probably one of the best remakes Ever. I mean, it's it's hard to remake a film with John, Steve McQueen in it, yeah. um, which I think that Papillon, which is out in theaters right now, has, has learned that, hopefully learned that lesson. Um, <laughs> hopefully we just decide, be like, no, Steve McQueen was a was an action star that was beyond his time. It's okay to just have the original exist and not a, not a second one. We don't need a Great Escape remake yeah. <laughs> or anything like that. God, fuck. I think I just gave somebody some fucking idea now. Fuck yeah, I know, shit. right? God damn it. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm pretty sure that I've heard of a Great Escape remake already in the works, so don't feel bad. Uh, but uh, but yeah, McTiernan, like, when when I look at McTiernan's stuff, it's like, if, if people do remember him, they remember him as the guy who made Die Hard and Predator. And yeah. I, I would say that cinematically, uh, Hunt for Red October is probably the best looking of his movies and arguably the best paced of his movies. I, I put it neck and neck with Die Hard, which is obviously yeah. a movie that has great pacing. Um, but I, I think it's a way better looking movie than Die Hard in terms of the cinematography. Oh, yeah. And it's also a lot more complex than Die Hard visually because you're sitting here going, you're very, very limited in your shot selections because you're on the sub for 60% of the film. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a great, you know, it's, it's um, the great thing about that film. And it's, that's something that's sometimes hard to do in, in submarine movies. Like there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of solidly good ones. Um, and then, but then there's a lot of really bad ones, but this one actually feels like, you're on a goddamn submarine as opposed yeah. to on a set because the closeness of everything, like almost every shot is a, me a medium shot. I don't know if there's a, I don't know if there's a wide, like a wide shot in the entire film. There's a, than, there's a few, you know, there was a, there's a, there was a wide shot when Jack is chasing the saboteur into the the engine room or whatever. Oh yeah, well yeah, I mean that's like the one I was literally just about that's yeah, like the yeah. one big open space that is in kind of in that area with when th there's the missiles and everything yeah. like that when they're doing the shootout at, uh, towards the end. And that that scene was really a weird like that was the weirdest scene of the movie in terms of visual because yeah. it like it looked like a set because you're just sitting here going, I don't know what this is supposed to be. The rest of the sub, every time you're someplace, you're like, oh, okay, I can logically yeah. deduce what this is supposed to be in a submarine. Yeah. They get into this little like control center and it looks like a spaceship set. Like there's, yeah. it's just bathed in red light and high ceilings and these never ending series of like catwalks. Yeah. And I'm just like, maybe this is a thing that exists on a submarine, sure. but it is like, it's not something that I can visualize yeah. and figure out what the hell I'm looking at. Yeah, which is um, which is a, which is a big problem for any sub, sub you know any any of these type of uh, movies where they're putting it putting you on I, I, like this is probably I'm, I'd have to look at like what the submarine movies are like I know that there were some submarine movies especially like in the fifties and sixties yeah um, like World War Two stuff but um, I would bet that this is like you know even though this is uh, what nineteen ninety I would bet that this is probably one of the very few submarine movies in 
in decades, like in years and years. And oh yeah. I mean, I remember when U571 came oh, out, yeah, yeah. everybody comparing it unfavorably to the hunt yeah. for red October. Yeah. And it, it really became one of those things uh, very much like after the, after the Western mostly mm -hmm. died out. Now every Western that comes out, it's, it's, it's usually not a traditional Western. It's usually like some arty attempt at saying something about the West. Yeah. And so they all get compared to the unforgiven. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was just rewatching Magnificent Seven and only made it 25 minutes into the film before I gave up. Yeah. <laughs> so, man, Fruitway is one of those directors that just, I, I really like some of his stuff, but there's been as many misses as hits and he's so ambitious. It's, it's kind of the Zack Snyder thing where oh, like yeah. he, he's so ambitious that when he misses, it can be embarrassing because you're just like, what am I looking at here? Uh, God, his King Arthur movie uh, oh came up in that that Patrick Willems video that you shared with yeah. me about public domain characters, and it was just like, oh my God, I forgot that was his. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. No, I mean, Training Day is fantastic. I I love. I watched the Equalizer probably every mm -hmm. couple months. Um, Olympus has fallen. Um, which I God, I forgot he was the director of that because that so doesn't feel like. His no, film. I mean it feels like it feels like a McTiernan film more than like a bad McTiernan film or something, yeah, yeah. Um, or at least a, a slight Michael Bay film or something. I think it might have actually been produced by Michael Bay. I think it was because I yeah. remember uh, they they once it became a franchise. I remember that it was one of those things where yeah, uh, this is it. It became increasingly Michael Bay e the ba the ba uh, the Bayham effect. Yeah, um, but yeah. <laughs> No, but yeah, uh, I, I wanted to upfront mention kind of that this is a McTiernan movie and, and what he's done and the fact that he's one of these guys who uh, apparently, apparently he is a nightmare to work with. Uh, and obviously people have serious personal, uh, uh issues yeah. with him stemming from the, the wiretap thing, uh, sure, around the time that the allegations started to come out that he was wrapped up in the whole Pelicano mess. Uh, I think it was people magazine referred to him as, as one of the most despised men in Hollywood. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm not entirely surprised that in spite of being one of the most commercially successful and critically successful action filmmakers for about a 10 year stretch yeah. that he got out of jail and nobody's lining up to give him work. Yeah. Uh, Which is a uh, um, God. Could you imagine the set of uh, Hunt for October? Oh yeah. <laughs> like, so you have, you have McTiernan who's hard to work with, and then you have Alec Baldwin. Oh my God! And then you have Sean Connery, whoever yeah. it's not. Yeah, you know, it's like literally like thank God there's only like I forget uh, I forget who's uh, um, Jack Ryan's wife um, in the start of the film. She's got oh, like ten seconds. Yeah, um, yeah. And and you're like, oh Jesus Christ! Like I feel that like thank goodness for there's like no. Oh my God! There actually yeah. isn't any other women in this film. I'm no, really true. <laughs> like, there's. He's got a wife she, and a she daughter. She has like an opening it. sequence thing. Yeah, the wife and daughter, and she's only in it for like ten seconds. Um, which again is surprising. Like, I, I'm curious on where her. Oh my God! I'm scrolling down and still not finding her name. Um, but um, uh, she, uh, she only has like a moment, and like she's a. Even, hey, where the hell is her even this cast list? I'm blanking on a um 
I don't see any female names. Okay, I guess she didn't. Oh, Gates, Gates McFadden. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, there's a lot of people get, yeah. like that in this cast. Uh, Jeffrey Jones, I think the guy's name yeah. is, uh, who uh, is one of those character actors that you probably wouldn't recognize that name, especially because it's so generic. Yeah. But uh, he was the principal in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He was yeah. uh, Elliot Draben in Who's Harry Crumb? And he's done just a ton of Christopher Guest movies. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so he's one of those actors. And he's like, because of the fact that he doesn't have his, he, he's not playing comedy. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have his regular, like he doesn't have the facial hair that he has in most of his eighties movies. He doesn't have anything like, like he's so, I, I heard the voice and I'm like, wait, is that that guy? Uh, <laughs> also should be noted. Shane black uh, has a moment, uh, I guess in this film as a uncredited, uh, uncredited uh, person. <laughs> According to IMDb. <laughs> so, not entirely surprising. Uh, yeah, he's a crewman on the, on the U uh, S uh, the U S boat um, or Dallas. Or, up uh, on the Dallas uh, um, on the Reuben James uh, oh so uh, the uh, the the destroyer or whatever that picks up the Russian crew mm-hmm. uh, yeah but yeah the um that doesn't surprise me entirely because again McTiernan directed Predator which uh, he wrote and had a brief appearance in oh yeah uh, but yeah the uh, and of course Shane Black is directing the Predator remake that comes out in like a month or something. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that is. I'm, I'm, I've never been a huge fan of that franchise, and other than uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, I've not really seen anything of Blacks that blew my hair away. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's certainly. I don't think he's done anything that's objectively bad, but you get things like Iron Man three, where it's just like, it's fine, you know. Uh, for everything that he had to work with in that movie in terms of like working with the most popular character and the most popular franchise in the world right now in the culminating chapter with these great, with this great cast, it was kind of like, I, I, I would have liked a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I, I actually, one of the funny things about hunt for red October is again, I hadn't seen it in a really long time. And in my head, because I've, I've never read the book. I've read actually a handful of the Jack Ryan books when I was a teenager, but, uh, never this one. And in my head, I remembered the movie as essentially what the Russians claimed. Like in my head, I remembered the movie as the movie where uh, Sean Connery goes crazy and tries to bomb the U.S. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! And so I'm watching the movie and going like, "No, wait! Like, he's not a bad guy." <laughs> <laughs> wait, you you somehow Russian propaganda worked? On you. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Was this a Cambridge Analytica scam? <laughs> But it was just, it's for whatever reason. I mean, again, I I probably haven't seen it since I was a teenager, but it was just that weird thing where I'm just like in my head for whatever reason, I really remembered this movie as I know I've described it to customers at the store as like, you know, Sean Connery is this rogue Russian (laughs) admiral who tries to attack the U S and I'm just like, 
Wow, that's like the cover story that they use for literally 10 minutes. That's <laughs> hilarious that there's some customers that like rented this and either did rent it or did or didn't rent it based on the fact based on a completely incorrect <laughs> on a yeah. Russian propaganda line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're like, wait, did he he lied to me about this plot? <laughs> That's the that's the secret is so many movies. It was like I'd watch it once or I wouldn't see it and I'd just be like, oh, yeah. And I, I would regurgitate my talking points based on either what oh, I remembered yeah. or yeah. what other people have said. And it's just like sometimes I'll watch a movie and I'll just be like, I, re I, I distinctly remember lying to customers about this because, holy cow, this is not the movie I thought it was. <laughs> uh, and this is definitely one of those uh, probably the most famous movie like probably the most famous movie ever to fall into that category. Although I, I don't, I don't imagine that I related the plot of this movie very often because I feel yeah. like it's a known most entity. people, it's just like, yeah, it's a known entity. It was a big hit. Yeah. It's a Jack Ryan movie. So a lot of people, it would be like, Oh wait, is this the same character from Harrison Ford? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, is it, which is by the way, it's, it, that's something that I really like about this film the most is like rewatching this. And, and I, I love this film more than I love the Harrison Ford film, Patriot Games and uh, Clear and Present. But I love, like, let me reword that. I love this as a film, like, not only artistically and everything like that, like, I right. respect it more. And I watch, I rewatch this probably just happenstance, either it's on TV or I put it in or whatever, um, um, because it's almost always on streaming, like, for the last couple of years. Same thing with the at least one of the Harrison Ford ones seem to always be on streaming, if not like usually now, but not both of them weirdly. Um, but uh, like I'll watch this film every two years at least mm -hmm. um, and be one of those, like if I see it sitting on my, you know, my DVD copy of it or wherever that, wherever it is, um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be like, oh, I should put that kind of back in the mental catalog yeah, of things yeah. I should watch relatively soon. And, but uh, the Harrison Ford ones, I fucking love both of them. <laughs> like yeah, I, Clear and Present Danger is probably up there in the top ten of my favorite action films, which is something I I never think about if someone would ask me, like, oh, yeah. what's your favorite action films? It just wouldn't be in the thought process. But for because for this for this podcast, we we've been, we you know I've been rewatching them, and uh, I forgot just forgot how. First off, I mean, Clear and Present I think is better than Patriot Games. It's certainly a more fun film and better put together. Um, yeah. Nah. Which is, I mean, it's the second film, so you're. I think everyone's kind of figured out what they're doing, and and the fact that you're not dealing with like Harrison Ford being befuddled as much as possible about you know having to be an action star, basically, um, or not Harrison Ford, but Jack Ryan's Harrison Ford being kind of like, oh, I don't know what to do. Um, yeah. uh, like I kind of like getting past that pretense. I mean, like he's he's an ex, like he's a military dude, like with a background of being like basically he was a a hero to some level mm -hmm. um and like every version of this has him as a person who knows what he's doing it's just that he hasn't done it in 10 years or something um and uh but i forgot just how good the harrison Ford one is but again it's not a solid film like this is yeah. it's not this is this could stand alone as a great film without I mean, like, you don't need to know anything about Jack Ryan, any of these. It stands yeah. alone so fantastically. I don't know. I don't know if the two Harrison Ford's do, films do that as well um, without having some of the Jack Ryan 
like ness around it. Um, yeah. I could be wrong. Uh, probably am wrong. I don't know. Uh, but like just thinking about it, just like this, the, the, those would be more generic action films. Like this would be a, a solidly great film. And I don't think without Harrison, like let's just say remove Harrison Ford and even put, even put Alec Baldwin in there. Mm-hmm. Um, they wouldn't work. I don't think they'd work. Like no. those two are Harrison Ford films. <laughs> it's, it's also interesting. Cause, uh, my recollection from the books is that mm. the version and, and it's interesting watching the pilot back to back with uh, red October. And yeah. I haven't, I haven't rewatched anything in the middle yet. We're going to get to that later, but um, he very much comes off as an everyman kind of, uh, you know, almost the, the, again, he's not John McClane because he's not entirely out of this world. Yeah. But it's that kind of thing. It's like he is skilled. He is good at this. He is law enforcement, but he's, he's essentially being sold as like an every man who gets plunged into these circumstances. And, uh, that's much more prevalent in the, uh, in the hunt for red October and in the pilot than I remember it being in the Ford movies. And again, yeah. it's been a while since I watched the Ford movies, although I loved them when I was younger and I, I, I probably have watched Hunt for Red October three to five times. I've probably watched Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger 30 times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so it's interesting to me looking at that. And and my recollection from the books is that the best of the books had him as much more of an everyman and that I enjoyed the books less and less as he became like within the world of the books a... Yeah globally recognized figure. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is this is the same problem with Jack Reacher. Yeah. Uh, is that at a certain point he's done things that get him to be known outside of the world of the underground. Yeah. And as long as he's just kind of like this guy and he's finds his way into these situations and and you know there's there's people who know who he is but he's not famous per se yeah uh that to me is when when the character works the best as soon as he becomes a name that's whispered in hushed tones uh by randos you lose a lot of what makes a character like ryan or reacher really interesting to me which 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 is something that i mean when you think about it is something that uh mclean uh it's it shocks what what i like about like you say watch watch die hard 2 mm-hmm. this is relatively i forget how many technical years it is afterwards but it's relatively soon after um nakatomi which was you know it was a massive hostage situation uh, I, w- I would assume everybody in the world knew his name for at least five yeah. minutes because, you know, I mean, I mean, obviously I don't, I can't necessarily put my head in how that would be a deal if like how, how big of John McClane, how big would John McClane be if he did what he did in Die Hard in say 1980s America yeah. as opposed to now? Like, I feel like he'd have a fucking book deal. He'd be, you know, one of the SEAL Team 6 dudes. You know I mean? Like, he'd just be, especially being a cop, like, he would have been, like, Blue Lives Matter. I mean, he'd basically be, like, you know, kind of what Bruce Willis has turned into. Um, But, but, you know, even just look at, like, the Waffle House guy, James, and I can't remember his last name at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that thing where he was, he was, like, a pop culture touchstone for three or four months. Yeah. Like, when, uh, when they had the, the, whatever i think it was the nickelodeon or the mtv movie awards 
uh, Chadwick Boseman gave his trophy to that dude. Yeah. Yeah. And you're sitting here going, this is a, this is, this is that guy's life for yeah. a short period of time. And I feel like you're right. Like, I don't know that that would have been quite the same yeah. in a pre-social media age, but I do feel like people would certainly like people would remember that situation and they would remember there was like this one crazy commando dude who, yeah. you know, and the, but there in the in the second one in Dire Two, I'm trying to remember the exact scene, but there's a there's a thing. that's like, oh, have you been in a situation like like this before? And there's like, yeah, you, you remember Nakatomi like thing? And he's like, oh, that was you, yeah. And that yeah. was like it. That literally was it. I don't think it was ever mentioned again. Um, like I think that there was a moment where the oh god, I'm blanking on the 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 fake the fake military uh the uh the guys who kind of jump sh uh thing like they they realize who he is but they yeah. don't get any respect whatsoever like <laughs> like they still kind of mock him to some level just because he's just a cop and not you know and not a commando you know like yeah. a, a an elite soldier like those those guys were um but it is but it is interesting how <laughs> like it would be, it would actually be fascinating to do. Not that I want this again. I'm just giving people. I don't do a Die Hard reboot, please. please <laughs> let it, let it die. Let the whole series die. Um, you know it's going to happen. But like, it would be interesting to have like a Die Hard one reboot and then go from there. You know, go from there and just be like, how how does Die Hard two happen, or how does any of these other films? Because he would always at least be the dude that like, oh, can I get a photo with you? And yeah, like, exactly. John McClane would not deal with that sort of thing. You know, yeah. I mean, and yeah. But yeah. Anyway, huge sidetrack. <laughs> That's but uh, <laughs> That's what we do. But yeah, so uh, let's. Uh, I don't. I don't want to completely abandon Hunt for Red October because I think we still have some more stuff to say about it. But let's da uh, dabble a little bit in the pilot. Uh, one of the things that I really liked in Hunt for Red October, like I said, was the pacing, mm -hmm. and I thought that was a place where the pilot really suffered. Um, the and again, like I only watched the pilot. I haven't seen the whole season yet, but I will say, so much crap happened in the Jack Ryan pilot mm -hmm. that I really wanted the show to be episodic instead of uh, instead of a, a slow burn narrative. Yeah, uh, you you get to the point where everything is going to hell, and there's ten minutes left in the episode, and I really wanted Ryan to figure out a way to kill the bad guy. And then do a different case next week. Yeah. Uh, and then as soon as I saw how it was going to go and that, oh, nope, it's going to be like, this guy's our season long big bad now. Yeah. I was I, just like, Ugh. yeah, I, I'll say that I almost, because I, I watched it. I watched the whole thing in one sitting last night. Um, dear God. Um, <laughs> which was, it was, it was good. I mean, it's good. Um, but it. uh it builds, it takes like three episodes for it to build um, mm -hmm. to a point where you're not thinking, I agree with you. Um, uh, I don't know if I'd want like every episode to be its own entity, like, but maybe three, you know, maybe three yeah. episodes be like, okay, so this is, uh, again, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a huge, still a huge fan of like the way that like, say BBC's uh, mm -hmm. like Luther does where you, yeah, you only have one big bad throughout the whole, whole thing but it's only three or four episodes. Yeah. So it's just basically, Oh, you're just getting a movie. You're getting a long movie. And, uh, and, but since it's episodic, you're not dealing with the fact that it's a lower budget thing. Right. Uh, which is something I think that this 
it, it's frustrating as again, it's like, it's, I feel like this with all of Amazon shows, uh, they feel like, uh, like stars, like channel mm. shows when you're like, you're fucking Amazon.com. Yeah. Like you're owned by the richest man, basically in the history of the world. Um, and like spend a little bit more money. Like it's great. Like John Krasinski, I like him. No, um, I do. And I think that he, I, he brings, the kind of performance that like he he's believably Adam Baldwin's character three years before the hunt for red October. Yeah. Yeah. Most certainly. Yeah. I mean, he's that perfect every man thing. And I think that it's good because I was worried that uh, after the uh, Benghazi film that he did, which mm -hmm. is problematic upon itself, but it was an okay action film. Like if you take away the po political fucking bullshit along with it. Right. Um, but uh, he, you know, was bearded up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which is, you know, the the way you try to make a, a dude who looks like <laughs> like Jim from the office. Yeah, exactly. Jim from the office. Um, although, did you see the college, college humor? I think it was I already did a um, an office version of this where they edited together um, the office and uh, Jack Ryan, the TV show nice. together. I'll have, to, I'll have to check that out. <laughs> it was it was it's, it was amusing enough, I guess it, it could have been a lot more. I, yeah. uh, but uh, <laughs> that tends to be my feeling with. Anytime, anytime college humor uh, uses editing tricks to try and make something like that work instead of just like sometimes they'll get the talent and they'll just do yeah. uh, you know. to make sure surprised they didn't because I think that college humor is now basically an Amazon show. Um, but um, like I think they have a show on there. But but either way, but like they tried to beard him up and he tried to be a more of a uh, I'm trying to think of you like your generic action star in that film. And it, he just was, he wasn't able to pull it off. Like he wasn't, yeah. he wasn't, he didn't come off as like a seal steam six dude. He didn't come off as like, uh, um, uh, what's his name from, uh, um, American sniper, um, uh, Bradley Cooper, which I don't even think Bradley Cooper pulled that off as well as he, as he should have. He still comes off as a, yeah. as kind of a arty actor person. Um, which is, I think why, you know, you need more, I don't know. You need, uh, there's there's certain actors I think that can pull those those characters off better than better than other people and and but none of those people are ever going to win Academy Awards, no. um, so you know but uh, but yeah but yeah, I, I would love to see like Dave Bautista as the guy from American Sniper rather than Bradley Cooper if we're going to yeah, go with or, the Guardian you know, of the I mean, Galaxy like, yeah I mean there's a bunch of you know more you know what you'd need is basically more of a like you know there's a bunch of conservative more conservative action people that who play in like. C or D level films, um, yeah. you know, that have like a million dollars and like those guys can, can do that better, but mm -hmm. they'll never do that because they can't act worth shit um, usually. And to have a film that's either directed by Clint Eastwood or just has that level of a budget, you're going to have to have somebody who can at least process things. I mean, like as much as we can all like what Mark Wahlberg, but he's at least a known entity. Um, yeah. And like, his bat, his whether it be bad act, whether you decide to call it bad actor or not, his, it's a style now. Like it's kind of like Nick Nick Cage in like early two thousands before he went full Nick Cage. He was like you know fifty percent Nick Cage, um, <laughs> you know like um, you know I mean uh, um, National Snake Treasure. Eyes Nick Cage. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Well, yeah, that that was like kind of the peak before it went over to the other side of bad. It's like yeah, the same thing yeah. with El Pacino, where it's just like, well, there was like Son of a Woman, El Pacino, and then there's everything he's done since. Yeah, <laughs> like there was the peak, and then as opposed to sliding back, which you kind of hope that he did. But but anyway, but uh, it's good that Krasinski kind of like just was like, oh, okay, I'm going to basically be 
um, my character from uh, uh, A Quiet Place, uh, yeah. which ha I have to be a badass because of the situation. I am not inherently a badass, which is right. what's needed. And I think that I, I'm like, I'm curious in the, I wonder what the filming schedules were on these, the two things. I assume a quiet place would have been filmed a lot long before it, but um, probably, especially because yeah. it was shot on a nothing budget. So I figure it was probably like a 20 day shoot. And... Yeah. I'm just trying to find where it is, but, um, but it's, uh, it's almost the same time, but uh, 2018, 2018. Um, but it would have been, I, I, I think it's good that uh, he toned it, basically toned it back to kind of like, yeah. okay, it's at least going to take a couple films for people to, to accept me as like an action star, as opposed to the goofy, com you know, the comedian guy that, or, you know, slightly funny guy from the office, which I'm happy because I always liked him as an actor. I'd never liked the office. <laughs> so I'm happy. to. I, get I, I used to really enjoy the office. And for whatever reason, it's one of those shows that does not age well for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I liked it a lot towards the end. I thought it was just, it had jumped the shark and then, uh, my sister-in-law has been watching it, like rewatching the entire series. And uh, so I'll be downstairs and she'll be watching and I'm just like, oh, I just can't yeah. just just no. I, I, I again, I think it's the another one of those films that has uh, or uh, shows that have been killed by its its gifability. And the fact yeah, that, it's like, that all of the funny stuff is something that you've seen literally hundreds of times. And, and then, everyone has parodied, which a show, which is a parody, like <laughs> it's a parody yeah. of. A doc, you know, whatever. Um, like the the staring at the camera thing is just. I think we need like a a ten year release from that. Yeah. Um, although my understanding is that it's coming back, isn't it? I think so. It's it's weird. I mean, here's the thing: that show became so successful, and obviously it was a remake yeah. of, of a British show. And so the the folks who actually created the original series licensed out a bunch of international knockoffs. So yeah. there's like versions of the office in basically every country on the planet mm -hmm. and so this is a franchise that they've already like they've, they've got interest in rebooting because the people who created it yep. want that money and so in the current like glut of remakes and revivals uh nbc has been essentially talking quietly about hey do we bring back the office or it is like, it is coming back yeah um, i'm reading an article in t uh from tv line, i guess source from tv line saying yeah it's it's um was this like a the, year ago or something that they actually now that i'm looking at this uh, because it's saying yeah it was december 2017 so maybe it's not yet um because it says for the 2018 2019 season which obviously that like they would have yeah. been doing at least promo for it yeah, um, no, so. it's definitely not coming back this season because um, yeah. we would have heard something. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's it was supposed to have happened. I don't know whether it's not happening yet is indicative is indicative that it's not happening or just indicative that it's it's happening later or differently or whatever. Yeah. I do think that if uh, if Jack Ryan becomes a huge hit then the combination of having a quiet place sequel and a second season of Jack Ryan makes it borderline impossible for Krasinski to do more than maybe six episodes of a show. I mean, I think my understanding is that the implication is that's going to be basically a half new cast and a half old cast. So mm -hmm. like, you're not going to get Mint, you're not going to get Mindy. You're not going to get, you know, half of these, you know, you have like four or five people who probably won't come back. 
Um, and but you'll have the shell of yeah, you know, which you'll have Rain Wilson and God, the the dude who played Ryan the Temp. And it would be hilarious though if they have the uh, the Asian dude who uh, oh my god actually was it, what film was he just in that we just saw, um, but uh, the Asian dude who played um, Jim once to freak out <laughs> to freak <laughs> out um, Rain Wilson's character. Um, I've only literally seen this this clip online, which I find it hilarious because they're just it's like every all that they changed all the photos, they changed everything. Mm-hmm. His girlfriend kisses him like as he comes in and like. And he's Asian, and like so, it's it's funny, but uh, it would be awesome if they just had that character come in and like, like no, that one bit that like does really well on YouTube. We're gonna, yeah. we're gonna make a whole show about that now. <laughs> that I might cool. actually at least tune in for one one episode of that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> just be slow, descend into madness of Ray <laughs> Wilson's character, which I would actually I would actually watch that. Is like basically at the end of the show. He comes in with a fucking gun and kills everyone. Like that's the that's the show I want to see. Like one season, <laughs> and it's just him becoming like <laughs> a serial killer because he's slowly becoming insane, trying to track down the truth about Jim and that he was a white dude all the time. <laughs> yes, anyway. I, I'm down for that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Uh, I think watching these two back to back is interesting because again, like I, I feel like there's a bit, there's a lot of differences. There's production value differences. There's era differences. There's, uh, I honestly don't like, and and maybe if the if the long form storytelling is good enough, it might be something that that I would change my position on. But looking at the pilot, I don't like updating it to the modern day. Uh, the fact that the show started in the '80s. Uh, and then jumps forward to 2018 or whatever. I, I kind of was like, you know, Jack Ryan is inherently part of the 80s because of every, like all of his best stories are specifically constructed around the Cold War. And one of the things that the pilot really demonstrated, and I, I like they they clearly steered into it because it begins with U.S. soldiers bombing these kids in Lebanon or whatever. Yeah. But uh, they, one of the things that that is problematic about moving it up to the modern day instead of sticking with the Cold War is that for most people, we now understand the negative implications of U.S. foreign policy. Yeah. in a way that we did not understand it during the Cold War, and in, in a way that, frankly, it wasn't as important when you're dealing with the Russians who are essentially fighting us on a relatively even keel yeah. uh, rather than us just dwarfing our 10 enemies. That, you know, the, We have so much more military might than the next 15 countries behind us that uh, we, we now know in a post-Cold War world that most of our problems are self-created. Yeah. And because of that, I feel like having a main character who is in the CIA is less, he's, he's less automatically a good guy. Yeah. And they, they leaned into that in a handful of ways. First of all, by having the villain be somebody who we created by mistake. And secondly, by, uh, you know, the thing of like having everybody else call him boy scout and Archie and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
but I don't think that those things sufficiently erased the fact that Jack Ryan is a Cold War animal and he functions best in that environment. And there's really no reason that you had to update it other than the fact that you did. Yeah. Uh, and now, and then the the new show is it, like it's not bad. Don't get me wrong, but like at least in the pilot, it just feels like Tom Clancy's version of Twenty Four. Yeah, yeah, but slower. <laughs> yeah, um, which yeah, I mean it has to be. Uh, but because uh, yeah, <laughs> Twenty Four was just too stressful to watch. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> like uh, I was a huge fan of that show, and it was just like, no, I need to which can flash back to, holy shit, how much money I must have spent watching that show. Because the only way I, I like to watch 24 was by running all of the discs, or at least a couple of the discs at, a, at the same time. And so, like, that would be, you know, I'd rent three or however many at Blockbuster uh, that were available at the same time and then just sit, and that would be my weekend. Like, yeah. that would be literally all I would do is watch, like, five hours. Fucking like that, and then be like, "Oh shit!" Uh, it just obviously every episode's a fucking cliffhanger, so it was yeah. just like, "Fuck!" Now I have to basically hope that the person's gonna return. <laughs> it's funny they keep trying to like re reboot slash revive, yeah, or and uh, the way that you could get this is this is my my pearl of wisdom on the on the twenty four thing. Uh, the way that you could you could recapture the feeling and the intensity of 24 without having to re reboot 24 yet again. Yeah. Uh, make a crank TV show. <laughs> like it's the same thing, just <laughs> you know, longer. <laughs> but uh, uh, and, and it, took crank... me, it took me a minute to remember. That, like not a crank is in crank call TV show. Then was like, right, oh, right. No, oh, no, oh, the, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The... But I think I think Crank would work without Statham better than Twenty Four works without uh, uh, Sutherland. Uh, yeah, I mean you have the uh, um, what was that something Harry? What was that? Uh, the GoPro basically it was a GoPro film, like oh yeah, from Hardcore the perspective. Yeah, yeah, I mean essentially that was that was Crank to some level. Yeah, it was Charles um, Copley from uh, from yeah. Powers. Yeah, um, and that was fantastic. Um, oh, it's, I mean, no, fantastic is too strong. Very good, <laughs> like enjoyable for what it was. Um, but yeah, no, um, I forget where we were going with that. But <laughs> uh, we, we, we were just talking about the, the pacing of the TV show and the fact that yeah. it felt like a slow 24. Uh, yeah. I mean, it does, the pacing does, uh, first off, get better. Um, mm -hmm. the pilot, this is, it's a very confusing pilot because, um, as opposed to most of the shows, because the fact that the pilot was out and I was like, oh, they're literally calling it a pilot and it's a thing. I'm like, okay, so they must be doing this like weekly or something. And then I then I sit down to watch it and then it just goes to the next episode, like, you know, streaming, you know, like whenever you're streaming a TV show does. And I'm like, oh, shit, how many, wait, how many episodes are out? Oh, all of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and because they didn't, it didn't feel like usually first off you have like a little bit bigger budget and like, you know, pilots look like more like a TV show or like more like a movie than the rest of the show does. It's kind of like just, we're going to get you into this world and then 
oh, but it kind of ignore all that stuff that yeah. we did in the first first episode because we really don't have that budget. <laughs> like we're not going to do that every episode, which is fine because you can do you can do different things. Like some episodes just happen in one room or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, they didn't do that with this. Um, the opening episode is just like every other episode, and again, like it goes back to like my I think again my biggest complaint is not necessarily even because the pacing does get better. Um, I think everything builds, and I think that um, like it it earns the fact that there's only one character, and it, it'll be interesting on kind of how they do the next season. Uh, but the fact that the fact that it the whole thing just feels it doesn't feel like like it, the stream, most streaming TV show, like other than Amazon's kind of like Amazon always has, or not Amazon. I'm sorry, Netflix has like you know, two or three shows that they really genuinely care about mm -hmm. um, that clearly they're spending money on. And then there's like a dozen other ones that you're like, oh, I didn't even know they released that one. Yeah. Um, you know, basically everything other than the Marvel films or the Marvel TV shows. Um, but this one just didn't feel like, like most of the Amazon shows, like it just feels like there's no, there's no like give a shit budget wise there that yeah. like, you're like, no, we're not going to impress anyone with this first season. Yeah. This feels a lot like the tick to me. Uh, <laughs> that's, and, a, that's an interesting comparison <laughs> well just just in the yeah. sense of like production values and, yeah. and you know uh, one of the things that <clears throat> I remember people saying you know you look at the tick and it's like oh well they're they're going for a more they're they're lampooning the modern superhero you know aesthetic or whatever and so they were going for a more kind of textured quote unquote realistic look and and mm -hmm. And so it was like, well, clearly they're gonna like this is gonna look great, and they're gonna spend money because that's 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 what they're lampooning. Yeah. And then you kind of watch it, and it's like, no, it's still just Amazon, like throwing quarters at the monkey and make a dance. Yeah. Uh, like it works with like Bosch is low budget, but it's a mm -hmm. procedural uh, with you know a little bit, you know, basically, basically better writing to an extent. Like it's yeah. HBO has a, would have a, a cheaper cop procedural that isn't like a, um, Oh my God, what's their, uh, true detective, you know, yeah. it isn't like weird, like, isn't just, it isn't like, we're going to win awards with this thing. It's like, no, we're going to do a really well done, um, law and order to an extent, but one that has like an arc as opposed to is episodic. And right. you're like, you go through and like, I, I haven't seen Sneaky Pete, so I don't know. But based on what I've seen, it's just what it is. You know, basically it's just a show. There's Patriot. There's Mozart in the Jungle. Um, but like, I love Dick. Like all of these shows, you're like, first off, some of them I haven't even really heard of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of something. Um, yeah, Mozart in the had... Jungle, I didn't know existed until I was interviewing. Uh... Oh, dear God. What's his name? Uh famous character actor who appeared on arrow last season and uh, uh he was ben on lost uh he's the guy from saw anyway um uh michael emerson yeah uh, i was interviewing michael emerson for arrow and his agent was like oh and if you could sneak in a couple of questions about mozart in the jungle and i was like sure let me uh <laughs> let, let me figure out what the hell that is. At least read the bio of what the show is. <laughs> like yeah. the short description. Which I'm told it, it was very good. I think it's canceled now, but uh I was told that it was very good. There are people that I know that like it um and swear by it. But uh um I mean that was kind of my same thing with Bosch, where it was um 
I love, I, I really love that show. And then it just kind of got like, oh, it's so it's the second or third season or whatever they're on now. Um, it was just like, oh, so it's the same thing again. Yeah. Oh. And I'm like, okay, that that works when it's episodic, um, but it doesn't work. Like you, you take a show. I keep bringing it, it's one of my favorite shows, so I'm gonna always bring it up. But Luther, like Luther, basically does a almost a hard reboot. Mm-hmm. Like there are certain things that exist. Um, like there's a one or two characters that kind of follow him through the other seasons, but either he kills off main characters that like you're like, there's no fucking way he's gonna kill. They're gonna kill off this character because he's you know, like two seasons in, you kill off a character. That's usually that when you only have five characters that actually stay episode to episode, that's mm-hmm. kind of surprising. Um, but there's only like, like the fact that his, you know, spoilers guys, uh, that his wife is killed in the first season. That's one of the only things that kind of stays true. Or, I mean, other than Luther is Luther. Um, but uh, like with Bosch, it was just kind of like, oh, okay. So it's just going to be the same thing again, but for an entire season. Well written and well spoken and well acted and everything, but uh, okay, yeah. (laughs) Like, which this is something that I almost kind of worry that this could happen with this uh, with uh, Jack Ryan. That if it is again, um, that you're like, oh, we killed the bad dude. Uh, This one's over. Okay, we're gonna spend another season, another eight episodes, ten episodes, Mm. whatever it was, um, going after the same like another of the same dudes. Yeah, uh, which is problematic because it's like it's the CIA, so they can't do anything in the United States. Like theoretically, at least they can't do anything in the United States too much. Um, so you're kind of stuck with okay, so who are the bad dudes? You know, yeah. like that the CIA deals with. So you're not going to have drug criminals. Uh, you're not going to have like you know drug lords because the CIA doesn't really do that. Uh, at least you know within films. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be oh great, it's going to be Arab bad dudes the entire fucking time. Yeah, and it's funny because I feel like between it being Jack Ryan and yep. the current political landscape, yeah. uh, it's just begging for a Russia arc. Yeah. But I I feel like this show is too is playing it way too safe to go that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I could be wrong. We'll see. Uh, but that's like my gut is like that would be perfect for the show for a couple of reasons. But it's it'll never happen. Yeah, I mean, it would be, I mean, well, I mean, one of the things that'll be interesting is, is that depending on what their actual timeline is uh, for releasing a second season, because I mean, Amazon is like Netflix is kind of bad about doing is doing their second seasons and trying to figure out what they're doing, you know, like all that, all deciding whether it's worth it to do it on. And then they go back and forth and, you know, and then they it literally just appears on their website and they don't tell anyone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> including members in the media and the press. You're like, oh, shit, I didn't know that was available. Oh, okay. I found out by Twitter because someone else said, oh, hey, it's available. I didn't know, 12.01 at midnight. Um, Just like Eminem released a new album. No one knew. (laughs) But uh, um, There's probably a reason for that one, though. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But but it'll be be interesting on whether – because – just I mean, if you think about like logistically again with what you like like yes russia would definitely be a great second season like i can see that you're like oh we're gonna have your kind of generic arab terrorist person um who j- just not be like as racist as they usually are like which this one is not as racist as it usually is mm-hmm. uh they stay away from going down the racist line which is which is a problem for me where it's like okay so if you're gonna do a film or doing a show about the cia and following arab terrorists uh, Islamic terrorists, like, 
there's a bunch of fucking racists. Like, there's gonna be racists. In the, there's gonna be racists who do have to deal with this and have stereotypes in the CIA. Like, fucking deal with it. Like, you have both. You don't have to have everybody be pure and good about th- have good intentions about it. I mean, um, I forget in the in the opening thing. Did, did they get that um, um, that Greer is uh, um, Muslim? Uh, no, not in the pilot. Okay. Yeah, no, so he's he's Muslim. That's a twist. I'm sorry for spoilers. Um, I mean, it's not like a big reveal or anything like that. It's just literally he's like, I think he's in a temple or something, or he talks yeah. to a friend of his yeah. who's Muslim. So, like, that's, you know, that's a big thing. Um, uh, it, actually, it's not a big thing, which is kind of the big thing about it. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that he there's a handful of scenes of him. He does a prayer over somebody who dies, and, like, Jack is just kind of sees it and doesn't like ask him about it or no one talks about it. And you're like, it's in the CIA. He's following, you know, like, oh God, this is, it's going to be, it has to become a thing. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't become a thing, then that's a problem on itself because we're, we have to work in the real world to some level here where I don't even think that a state that I, I could be wrong, uh, but I don't think that somebody would get that high if they were, especially I think he's a co- convert as well. Mm-hmm. Um, which has its own, like they would have consider that their own different red flags or whatever. But anyway, but what I was thinking with the the, the having like Russia with a second season, it would, it would, it how it's going to deal with the fact that basically the Russian investigation in the United States about Trump and everything is going to come to head in the next year. <laughs> so it's going to be one of those like uh, the Americans uh, was the FX show like that's over yeah. now, that's over now right yeah and so like at least that's out of the way they don't have to kind of deal with the real world everyday implications of people seeing the news and then turning on a TV show and kind of trying to figure those two things out um, kind of in the way that Twenty Four did mm-hmm. um, you know uh, like you know you had a bunch of lefties that loved I know secretly loved Twenty Four I was one of them. Um, but like, we were all like speaking out against it because it was uber fucking racist in the middle of, you know, a time when we had to be very careful about that sort of thing about like where people like Muslims and, and Arabs were getting attacked or just randomly brown people who people thought, um, uh, because of the continual scare and the, you know, and the color codes and everything like that of the, mm-hmm. of the two thousands. But, um, but yeah, that's, a, that was a very long rant to say, to say that, but yeah. Huh. <laughs> uh, Going back to uh, to the hunt for Red October, I will say uh, just because uh, we're we're bopping around, so why not? Um, I, I will say there was while while we said all kinds of nice things about the cinematography and and blah 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 blah, uh, this is one of those great examples of like early '90s visual effects mm-hmm. where sometimes you'll see something and just be like, oh, that's. Yeah. glaringly yeah like there the there's a shot towards the end of the of a torpedo where you're just like wow that that looks like a, a 1993 rolling stones music video um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and then there's a the the big one honestly was the 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 green screen shots as they arrive in maine at the end of the movie oh yeah. yeah it's just like holy cow like this like this literally looks like what i can do on iMovie <laughs> in 10 minutes with a green screen yeah. yeah uh and again like it's it's fine because it's a 30 year old movie and because everything else is so well done that it doesn't yeah. take away from you yeah uh but it's just such an odd uh 
I, I, I will say, by the way, uh, when when the the, tat, the torpedo in question, the CG tattoo torpedo, <laughs> yeah. um, the I, I took a note. They they repeated like five times that they had it to, in order to steer into the into the torpedo. They had to they had to go bearing three one five. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, since since uh, this is a uh, a podcast that's headquartered out of Syracuse, where the where the video store used to be, three one five three one three one five is our area code. And the fact that they hammered that in like at least six times, I was just like, okay, I got to mention this. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good name for a podcast, Bearing 315. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I mean, that was, that was, it, it kind of makes me think like one of the problems I had with kind of the, you know, not to harp on this about the kind of like the low budget stuff is that I, 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 I'd be hard, it'd be hard to convince me that most of these weren't done on just Hollywood sets. This, like the, when they, when they get to, uh, when they get to uh, basically the Middle East. And because it just, everything looks clean, everything. I mean, just like, it doesn't look lived in, <laughs> like yeah. not, not saying dirty, like not looking dirty, but like the way the real world looks, it looks like right. a clean set um, where, you know, there's not, and there's not like gunfire, there's not bullet holes and shit, like where there should be, because there's been, you know, 30 years of wars in, in most of the countries that they're going to. Yeah. And you're like, that's, that's not a thing, but, but it doesn't. I don't know. It just, it look again, it like kind of goes back to the fact that it looks like a, you know, an FX show or something like yeah. that. Like that doesn't have the budget to like physically go. I mean, I, obviously you don't go to the fucking a lot of these places because they're considered, you know, under really, they're still literally in combat, right. but you know, you can go, I don't know. You go to the place where the trees are native, you know, like yeah, at least they have the same yeah. trees or they have the same whatever. Um, so that doesn't look like, you know, doesn't look like a police training ground because that's honestly what like a lot of these, a lot of the towns that they go into, that's what they look like. They look yeah. like the fake set, the fake training grounds that, that they set up for uh, police officers or, or, you know, uh, tr uh, troops or whatever to, to test in, which I wouldn't honestly be surprised if it was, but um, which that's, that's something obviously on for October doesn't have to deal with that issue. Yeah. They're in a sub the entire time. Um, but, but it is something that's like, okay, so if you don't have that budget for that, I always feel like then kind of figure out how to do it differently then. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're if you're expected to have a if it's a big show like this is yeah. this this is like this is Amazon's blockbuster show. Um, yeah. This is their biggest show that they have on the network right now and probably will for at least a year. Um, and it's the fact the that rings, it, yeah, what's that? Oh God, I forgot that they're doing that. Yeah, Maybe that's where all the fucking money is. Fucking um, billion dollar investment in Lord of yeah. the Rings. <laughs> Something like a guaranteed ten-year run or some obscene thing. It's oh, totally yeah. insane. Anyway, yeah, that's oh, that's that's a, that's a ballsy move. I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> like, especially with a fan base that you know, I I wouldn't bet anything past like two days on a fan base that like gets their feelings hurt so badly and then we'll never look at it at it ever again. Like, it's just like, I can't believe that anyone's do, redoing a new star Wars ever or having a new, you know, whether it be discovery or whether it be, uh, the, uh, TNG reboot, um, where it's just like, I, I fuck, like I wouldn't want to write that or direct that or produce it because yeah. you have a fucking button in the wrong place. And people are like, well, I just don't want to, I, I don't want to watch it anymore. Especially yeah. I'm not paying Three ninety nine or four ninety nine a month for it. I mean, I'm I'm offended by that. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah. 
but yeah, and that's actually one of the interesting things about the Jack Ryan like world is that we've been talking about all these various iterations and until they've started plastering Jack Ryan's actual name on things. Yeah. Uh, which is basically the Chris Pine movie and now this show. Uh, yeah. These things had existed more or less in a vacuum to the point where, like, I, I think a lot of people could watch these movies and just kind of not realize that it's the same dude. Yeah. Like, e even though you're right, I don't think that the Harrison Ford movies stand alone as well if you don't have the background of who Jack is. Uh, I... I I can imagine that plenty of people went to see clear and present danger, having never seen the hunt for red October yeah. and that by and large, they at least understood it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I actually, one of the things I was thinking early on when I was talking about the McTiernan thing is I wonder to what extent this being part of like a franchise slash brand slash recognizable adaptation may contribute to the fact that people don't give McTiernan the credit for how well it came out in the way yeah. that they do for Die Hard and uh, and Predator, because you kind of look at it and you go, eh, well, you know, it's a Tom Clancy movie. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm curious too, because I mean, you know, Tom Clancy movies are, you know, Tom Clancy's like a blockbuster. I mean, like every single book he's ever done is probably a huge bestseller and things like that. But one thing you realize, yeah, kind of have to realize as an author is that. Even having a block, even having a fiction blockbuster hit, doesn't mean a goddamn person in the rest of the country knows who the hell you are. Yeah. Like it surprises me. You know, I mean, like obviously nonfiction is a very different animal, especially number wise. But I mean, like, yeah, it's like Greg Palace has had four New York Times bestsellers. Uh, each one of them pretty much a multi multi week run mm. on the bestseller list. Um, and I bet. I, I'd be hard pressed to say that, you know, 5% of America knows, knows who he is um, at, at that, yeah. um, you know, and, and releasing a movie, you know, and all these things and uh, which is fine for, for nonfiction, but like what it's always interesting because they, do, they don't um, the, the other two films, I don't remember being all oh, the next Jack Ryan film, obviously I'm way too young to, I think probably yeah. actually distinctly remember that, but I watched the trailers. I don't think that they. I have watched at least one of the one or two of the trailers from the uh, from the Harrison Ford films, and they were Harrison Ford films. They weren't nothing to do with Jack right. Ryan. I think they called him Jack in the film, and that's about it. And it doesn't have anything to do with it, which which isn't necessarily surprising considering Harrison Ford at that point. Right. Like, it's. I mean, you watch Air Force One, um, and it's it's it might as well be Jack Ryan. Yeah. Like you literally, you could call him Jack Ryan as president. And, and I would be like, yes, that is probably him. <laughs> you know, he's yeah. playing the exact same role. It's pretty much the same, same script and same feel and grit to it, or, you know, like your lack of grit or whatever. But, but uh, um, it is, it, it is interesting because what they're doing is they're, I think there's maybe after the last film that that kind of didn't do well. Um, yeah. The Chris Pine film. Um, so it's interesting that they're so hard selling it the, on his name, but I think know, they're hoping that it'll become a thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, not, not even that. I think they're hoping that they can tran they can transform it into like ghost recon or one of the, cause obviously Tom Clancy authored a bunch of stuff that became big hit video game franchises. 
Oh yeah. I forgot. And, yeah. uh, ghost recon was one. And then there was rainbow six. Yeah. And, uh, and so to me, my, my thinking is they're hoping that if they can make just one really good one yeah, and they title it correctly, then they can build a brand where, you know, they can have the knockoff authors who make the, uh, where Tom Clancy's name is giant on the yeah. cover and the real author's name is small below <laughs> like yeah, they do yeah. with the, the Robert Ludlum's Jason Bourne stuff now. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they can have the video games and the whatever else. Uh, that that's my guess as to why yeah. they, they have been so determined to put Jack's Jack Ryan's name on everything. Yeah. The last couple of tries. Cause I feel like, okay, this is what they're hoping for. They're hoping for yeah. ghost recon. Yeah, I always forget the I always forget the video game is is which it's a bigger market than books. I mean, obviously, yeah. money wise, it certainly is. Holy shit! Um, but also, say like number of sales and things like yeah. that. Like you have an entire audience that's already online and watching this. So, I mean, in that way, it does. But again, like that's to me very confusing when when it comes to not to harp on this more than I already have harped on it. But like, why they're not dumping more money on it? Yeah, um, because to me, it it feels like this could be a huge moneymaker in that way especially it's amazon like the just the multi-platform-ness of it all like there's they sell books they sell video mm -hmm. games yeah, i mean they sell everything that like they might people might want that i mean they keep dabbling in video games too like yeah. actually making video games and you're like why <laughs> why wouldn't they drop more uh, more on it but who knows let's move on all right. Uh, any final thoughts? Because we, uh, I feel like we've we've covered a lot of ground, and and it's late. So uh, I'm I'm trying to think if there's any final thoughts that I have. I think I've covered most of my notes for both projects. Uh, I would say, uh, I would say, if you're listening to this and you want a really good uh, Jack Ryan story, go watch Hunt for Red October. It's uh, it's just really excellent on a lot of levels. And uh, I, it holds up remarkably well. Uh, there's certainly nothing wrong with the TV show. It's fun. And, uh, and, and I would say, you know, if you've got Amazon Prime already, check it out. I, I don't think it's worth, like, signing up for Amazon Prime so you can see the show. Yeah, no, I, I think it's definitely worth the time. I, I, the, the show, I, I've kind of sit on the show a lot um, on this. But, like, once we maybe what we can do is when we when we talk about the other um, the other uh, Jack Ryan films, we can talk mm -hmm. more about the show, like later episodes of the show. If you're if I don't know if you're completely turned off from watching more of it or not. But, oh, no, no, no. Um, I totally I want to I bought that the five movie pack and I want to. Oh, yeah. What oh, I no, want to no, do is the, the TV show itself. Oh, oh, oh. Like, no, 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 not at all. Of it. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought it was a well enough made show. It didn't it didn't grab me. Yeah. But uh, it it's certainly not anything that I, I'm like, Oh, I don't ever want to watch that again. Yeah. Like I said, I think it's, it's worth a watch, especially yeah. if you've got it for free, which I do. So yeah, we can, we can kind of yeah. cover a little bit more ground with that. Uh, as we go through the, the remaining five or remaining four Jack Reacher yeah. or Jack Ryan. Movies. <laughs> I, I do wonder, honestly, not to be confused with John McClane, yeah. like how many Jacks and Johns. And I, I do kind of wonder if there's going to like, that's one thing that's, that's an interesting wrinkle in making Jack Ryan's name. Such a big part of the marketing is I wonder if there is going to be some brand confusion with people who think this is Jack Reacher. I, uh, I I think that Jack Ryan like is a more known name than 
I mean, no, I, I don't, I think that it's also, it's on the Venn diagram of things. Yeah. Where it's like, if you know who Jack Reacher is and you're Jack, you know who Jack, Jack, Jack Robert, uh, that's Jack probably, is. That's probably, that's probably fair. You know, I mean, totally. I mean, I, you know, like I joke about the John McClane. I don't think necessarily anyone really remembers. Know. It's diehard, you know, it's not, yeah. you know, whatever, but, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I would say watch, watch both, watch all of them. Um, it, there's, it, this is, this is one of the few times I don't think that, like I think that this is for me as a person who's again never read the book, so put that big asterisk on there. This is this is Jack Ryan. Like the, this is this is a Jack Ryan. I don't think that Chris Pine's Jack Ryan was Jack Ryan. Mm -hmm. Like I felt like Chris Pine was like Chris Pine placed basically he he essentially in that film, which again we'll we'll delve into more, but essentially yeah. in that film, he's playing Kirk. He's playing yeah. the exact same fucking role that he did with Kirk early on like a dude way out of his element right but with special talent sort of thing and and uh um which is uh, you know kind of all of how all of these guys are but but he's playing himself he's not even more so than harrison ford is playing jack ryan in mm -hmm. there as opposed to playing harrison ford playing jack ryan. Yeah. <laughs> like whether they're playing their, themselves or through the role but uh it the whole the whole show itself it has a, i think it has a bit more of the feel of the Harrison Ford films, like the world around it yeah. is more of that. And maybe that has a little bit to do with the fact that just the, the settings and kind of the scenarios that he's put in um, are more of the clear and present danger and yeah, uh, whatever than him. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's a solid show. Um, it definitely, it definitely gets better. Like I, yeah. If it was just the pilot and they didn't have the rest of the show on, I don't know if I'd return to it. Mm -hmm. um, like this is one big benefit of the automatic streaming, that, you yeah, know, yeah. next episode and just you don't have to do anything. Because I w started watching it at like twelve and then and then watched the entire thing. So which is why I didn't wake up until like five o'clock afternoon. Yeah, uh, but, but yeah, I I I'd recommend it. Um, there's there's not a lot. TV wise and my feeling like going on right yeah, now. Yeah. So especially streaming wise, like Netflix yeah. hasn't produced a damn thing in, in a while. I think that's worth watching. Um, and uh, you know, and Hulu ain't doing shit. So, yeah. uh, well, other than I'm sorry, but uh, Castle Rock here, we fucking watch Castle Rock. Jesus yeah. Christ. It keeps getting better. Um, but yeah, I, my, my, uh, my closing thought is uh, Alec Baldwin does a solid, solid Sean Connery impression. <laughs> and I, I, I want to know, I, I got to find out if he ever used that on SNL because it feels like that was just a missed opportunity if he didn't. <laughs> I think that I've heard him do it late after other than this, just this film, um, yeah. which, 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 which I kind of shit. I forgot about that. He's 32 in that film, which to me is very confusing <laughs> because in in uh, Alec Baldwin is, which not only because it feels like he should be so much younger, yeah, like, but also um, like that opening sequence, uh, he looks so fucking old, like he looks like because he's wearing the sweater up to his yeah neck yeah neck and, the, and the whole thing, and he's in the stuffy office, and like the, it's almost like they're trying to portray him as like a fifty year old dude. <laughs> Like, yeah, or at least in his 40s. I mean, a minimum in his late 30s. But like, he's clearly in that film. I mean, what is he? He, he can't be that old in like the character's age in um, in Hunt for October. Yeah, it's um, hard to say because I because feel like yeah. he, he's certainly like he has more uh, he has more standing within the agency in Hunt for Red October, obviously, than he had yeah. with within because, you know, 
his admiral just literally goes like, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to act on this now. Uh, and then people come to him as an expert for things. And so certainly I do think that the, they play him as older than in the TV show. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I I don't get the impression that he's, uh, over 30. Yeah. Which it, I mean, it will be, it will be interesting. Uh, just briefly, uh, the 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 TV show does imply that, which I don't know if the any any of the other ones implied that he had a life before, he had a life between being military and CIA, um, hmm. and he had been. Oh at CIA yeah, that's right. Four years, he, and then they like say a, a corporate attorney or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It worked Wall Street somehow. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. Which I'm hoping they do more with, um, because again, I like the idea of you know kind of tracking the financial stuff um i think that that makes more sense within the modern world than him being like a navy historian sort of thing because i don't think that you know i mean big boats and things like that don't matter as much as you know as as uh you know ones and zeros do now and and they imply that he's a he knows things about computers and the fact that he wrote a sql thing yeah yeah. and and so they kind of like touched upon a bunch of things that they don't actually come up with at all in this whole season like yeah. literally all of that stuff doesn't matter. He doesn't hack a computer. He doesn't do any of that, any of that, any of that stuff that usually you're like, Oh, the dude knows Excel really well. Well, he can hack this, this, this agent's computer. Like, yeah, you know, that yeah. sort of thing where it's like, Oh, the computer technology or whatever, but computer knowledge passes on through everything. If you just, yeah. know how to, you know, do whatever. But, um, I- I yeah. assume that we will get more of his uh, of the Wall Street stuff, if for no other reason than because Kathy, the 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 girl played by Abby Cornish, yeah, uh, that is his future wife. In like his his wife's yeah. name is yeah. Kathy, yeah. and so they're like setting up setting up his future wife as being the daughter of his like yeah. former work mentor. Yeah. Uh, it, it basically says, okay, if we get a season two, we're coming oh, back to this Wall Street. I, I, bet, I bet he gets kidnapped and he has to go to North Korea. Um, but Oh, yeah, that's a solid point. That's, that's, that's a <laughs> really remember that's good like guess. that. Yeah, they, yeah that, that one line where it's like, what's going on in South Korea? Yeah. Which yeah. disappoints me because, again, like, I, I feel, yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, that brings in Russia. I mean, North Korea is is, is Russia and China too. So yeah. um, it'll it'll be interesting where they go. Um, I'd love to see a I'd love to see like a Ukraine storyline or something like that. But but again, I mean that I mean literally we just go. Yeah. That to me also speaks. Like I do wish that they had at least set up other things. Yeah. Um, in this first season, because they don't. All they do is deal with this one thing, mm-hmm. um, and this one thing becomes bigger than just. A lone, you know, lone bomber sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, it's a whole network. Uh, but uh, and and again, like I said, like I said before, as much as I've shit on it and whatever, um, it's it's definitely worth watching. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's um, I've never seen the, what the what's the Showtime Homeland. I've never really seen Homeland. Yeah. Um, other than like clips and bits of it, it feels like a less racist Homeland. Um, because my understanding of Homeland is that it's uber fucking racist um um but uh but on the other hand that may be a problem with it because it's the fucking cia like yeah i mean are you fucking kidding me but i have a negative uh you know thoughts on the cia but yeah i love movies about them but anyway but yeah all right well uh that we like i said we've, we've done a lot of talking and we're gonna have a whole lot more jack ryan to talk about in the next few weeks so <laughs> uh 
you can you can find us on uh, ACPN, which is the arts, comedy, and pop culture uh, podcasting network. You can find us on uh, iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Blueberry. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the Emerald City Video Podcast. And if you want to follow me and Zach in particular, you can find our names in the profile for ECV underscore podcast on Twitter. Yes. And, uh, uh, oh, yeah, we're also on Instagram and uh, Vero, although neither of those do we post all that super frequently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on the Snyder, on this person, uh, on on <laughs> Snyder's personal uh, social media network. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Vero. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, we we'll be back uh, to talk more Jack Ryan very soon. So uh, make sure to be back here by noon on the fifth day. A C E N.